This Week in Baby Quest. Grief is the time, it's the place, it's the motion. We're talking about grief. Grief is the way we feeling. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Baby Quest. I'm Mike. I'm Leah. How's it going? Well, I mean, it now makes sense why you were listening to the Grease soundtrack. All the time. No, just, just constantly. When I just now. <laughs> and always. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. I got the yawns, folks. We're gonna see how this goes. No, if you're actually yawning in the podcast, I'm gonna cut that out. They won't know because that's terrible. <laughs> Nobody needs to listen to that. (laughs) So this week is going to be mostly about everything after the hospital. But one thing that I thought of after we finished recording last week that we didn't talk about was the news of sort of what actually happened to Eliza. Like why she was stillborn. Mm -hmm. Well, their thought. Yeah, it's not... It's a little more of an art than a science determining this, but after, and I I just assume people might be curious about this since we're sharing everything else about the story. Right. That's a good thought. So after she was born, they told us that when she came out, her umbilical cord was coiled very tightly. So yeah, it wasn't wrapped around anything. Like it wasn't wrapped around her or anything like that. There wasn't a knot in it. It was just coiled like a telephone cord. <laughs> I guess. Not really. I don't know. That's how I always pictured it. I mean, maybe it would look like that, but that's not really how. I don't know. When, I, when they said coiled, that's always what I thought. Anyway, it was like just coiled up very tightly and that's probably what happened that's all everybody's best guess yeah. so it wasn't related to noonins or her heart, heart conditions defect, no. or anything like that it was just a freak accident there's like a like one percent less than one percent chance that like this will happen in any pregnancy and so like we were the one percent so the good news that comes out of that is that there's no reason to expect that it would happen again in any future pregnancies. Yeah, and it was nothing like my body wasn't able to sustain the pregnancy or like anything like that, which was good to know. Uh, yeah, but the bad news is that it was just a stupid accident and I took that very hard. Yeah. I had a very hard time dealing with that. I still remember I went out at the next opportunity, whenever it was, uh, I like went outside the hospital and I sat under a tree and just like had a very big cry and I was like calling my mom, telling her about it. And I don't remember that. You weren't with me. No, but I mean, I don't like even remember you really leaving. I like went to go get lunch and stuff. I was probably gone for 20 minutes total. So it wasn't like a big thing. Yeah. That was, I don't, it, it's so weird because it's like the worst possible news and also at the same time the best possible news. Yeah. Uh, it was just, it was very frustrating to hear that that's what had happened. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so that was, I guess, the last bit of being in the hostel. And then we came home. Yeah. And so, I lived in bed for, I don't know, two weeks. Oh, yeah, about two weeks. The first few weeks of being at home... We both struggled to, like, really remember what happened. I wouldn't say that. Oh, I mean? definitely struggled to remember what happened. Like, what was going on? What I was doing? Like, when you were in bed, you mean? Yeah. You forgot what happened? Yeah, like, it just time does not, did not seem to behave like normal. Are you saying you don't remember now what happened when we got home? Or when we got home, you didn't remember what happened in the hospital? No, now I don't remember. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I'm very worried. You're... Making it very confusing. No, you're just confused. I am confused. Well, the first few weeks when we came home, we were really just in survival mode. Mm -hmm. It was, to, we didn't take a lot of time to process anything or really deal with much. It was more just trying to, you know, make sure we were fed and showered and hydrated for a couple weeks. I mean, but we were also making decisions like to have her cremated and to have an autopsy done and to... Yeah. Like, we were also needing to make choices. Yeah. One of the nice things, though, or probably the nicest thing ever, was that your friend... Yes. Whose name are we saying her name on the podcast? I don't know. Right now we won't, I guess. Leah's friend, who will go unnamed until we check with her, I guess. While we were still in the hospital, before we even got no, home. It was bef it was, she came over the night before. Before we went to the hospital, yeah. And she asked then about the meal train. Oh, really? Yeah. So she set up a meal train for us, is what we're trying to get to. And at that point, she was like, how often do you want it? And I was like, oh, I don't know, like... Well, hang on. People pr are probably like me and had no idea what a meal train even was before this. Oh, okay. So it's there's a website. I'm sure there's like multiple websites that do this. But you just like set up a calendar. People pick days and provide meals on those days. And you can list a whole bunch of instructions. Like for ours, there was instructions of like time to drop, what time to drop it off. That you were to drop it off, ring the doorbell, and walk away, and not expect to see us. That was very key in the entire process, was not having to deal with anybody, or talk to them, or say hi, or have them say how sorry they were. Like, that was a key ingredient in the enjoyment of the meal train, just having stuff dropped off. And we had the option off. to, you know, I mean, we always knew who it was, but, like, if we were up for seeing people that day. Yeah, there were a couple out we would of, like, say, the many weeks. We would say, like, oh, like, wait, we'll, we'll come to the door. Yeah, and yeah. that did happen a couple times, but not very often. No, it was like, I don't know. Most of the time it was a blessing that we didn't have to interact with anybody. Yes. But so what ended up happening is that we would get these like huge and beautiful meals dropped off literally every single day for almost for about a month. 
It was a month. It was a month. Which was, you know, a credit to the friend, the unnamed friend who set up the meal train for doing such an amazing job organizing it. Still don't even know how she did it. And to everybody who signed up for it and volunteered a meal or a couple people did multiple meals. Yeah. And, you know, some people drove across the city to drop them off for us during (laughs) rush hour because that's when dinner happens. Well, and like, we like to eat dinner early so we like to eat dinner at like five o'clock a lot of them were like my co-workers who would like leave work with the meal and like drive to my house which is in the opposite direction of their house to drop off a meal yeah it was extremely nice and we were extremely extremely fortunate to have that whole situation and taken it care of for us meant that like for a month we didn't really cook yeah most of the meals had leftovers or like maybe even enough for leftovers and then some yeah because uh, people were just dropping off these huge things so basically i was in charge of getting breakfasts uh maybe doing a little bit of no actually i think I don't even know if I did groceries because no, my brother mom. and my yeah my mom did a ton of groceries and dropped all that off. So we were super super lucky uh, in that regard to to have all these extremely nice people in our lives who care enough about us to make a stinking meal, and so we didn't have to worry about making food. I only had to worry about like getting Leah out of bed to the bathroom and stuff like that. Yeah, and to shower. And... Showering, which is also in the bathroom. Just a lot of from the bed to the bathroom. Yeah. I do remember the first shower I took after coming home from the hospital. How'd that go? Um, I mean, it felt very nice to take a shower after like four days of not showering. And washing my hair was lovely. But then we Get had... all the pink stuff off you. <laughs> yeah. The, like the Pepto-Bismol <laughs> that they cover you in before <laughs> surgery. Yeah. It's like the antiseptic. It just happens to be like for less than pink. Yeah, taking the bandage off mm-hmm. was not great. So my stomach was completely numb. I had no feeling in it, which meant I couldn't find the edge of the bandage oh, yeah. to pull off because I couldn't tell what was bandage and what was skin so mike had to take the bandage off once it was off it was fine yeah it was fine nothing weird or gross happened no but then i was just terrified for weeks that my incision was going to get infected yeah you were convinced it was infected all the time yeah uh yes like every day i was making mike check it because i also couldn't see it yeah um you're like what's this like that's still just the stitch it's just (laughs) part of it's in you that's what's holding it together it's fine you're like doesn't it look red and it's like stop poking it it'll stop looking red if you stop poking yourself but then my justification like or my like paranoia came true because (laughs) so after several weeks like four weeks maybe even more at the end of my incision, I had a knot where, like, they knot the whatever they used to sew you back up. Fishing line. Yeah, pretty much. That's what it looks like, actually. It looks like fishing line. So I had this knot sticking out, and at the knot, it was getting, like, really red and puffy. Yeah. And we eventually determined, I went to the doctor, she was able to, like, snip it off. It was fine. But she determined that it was just because 
it was poking out and it was rubbing on my clothes mm. was like what was causing the irritation. It wasn't that there was anything like actually wrong. No, it was fine. And then I had the very fun experience of all of the skin on my stomach peeling off. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That was really fun. Just because you shrank back down? I don't know what that was. I don't know why that happened. Maybe? Didn't use enough shea butter. <laughs> no, but... Didn't use enough cocoa butter. Oh boy. Yeah, but just like basically from my belly button down, just all the skin came off. Yep, that's fine. That was also fine. You had like a really amazing recovery. So that's what everybody told me. People would come over and like look at me and watch me move around and were like in disbelief that I was moving and sitting up and like... Yeah, and I mean, I'm glad you were because... Other like you know we otherwise would have also had a baby with us so it's great that you could have been moving within a week of getting home that makes me feel good yeah I mean like I hope the next time yeah. it's the same yeah exactly that's good if it is that's like good for us we're gonna be great yeah 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 so the first few weeks were really just coming home and trying to sort everything out and trying to take care of ourselves it, like when we when we tell the story, it's always just that part was survival mode. The first several weeks. Yeah. And that's really it. Yeah. Like nothing super interesting happened, except that everybody was very nice to us. Yeah. Oh, and I got, um, so in terms of time off, you still got to go on maternity leave. Yes. So in Canada. In Ontario? In Ontario? No, I think it's in Canada because isn't like maternity benefits like like countrywide? I don't know. I think it is. Okay. So if you give birth up to 17 weeks before your due date, you qualify for maternity benefits. If you have a living child, then you would also qualify for... So maternity benefits are 17 weeks, and then the rest of the one-year maternity paternity leave is considered parental. Right. So I didn't qualify for parental leave because I was not at home caring for a baby, but I covered for the maternity leave, which is like my recovery time after giving birth to a baby. Which is great, because that brought you to, like, the end of December, basically. Yeah. And as a teacher, that's good timing to go back to school after Christmas. Yes. So that was great. Thank you, government. Mm -hmm. As a father, uh, I didn't get quite as much (laughs) from my work. I got my five bereavement days. Yeah. So that's what you get when your child dies. Um, Or your parent. Or, yeah. Or a sibling. Yeah. Or yourself. Well, you probably get more. Um, or a spouse, though, I think is what you were trying to say. No, I meant myself. So, but that's a work thing, so not not to do with government. I got my five days, and my coworkers and manager and all that, they were very excellent and helpful in the whole situation, too. I was very lucky to have them. They put all the stuff through HR and did the paperwork for me. I didn't have to do anything. They took care of it, which was wonderful. But, uh, I mean, the whole five whole days is, uh, that's kind of a joke, because I was (laughs) taking care of my wife, who just got out of surgery, and I just lost a child. Well, and two of those days, we were still in hospital. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. So, like, okay... Cool. Yeah, most of my bereavement days were spent at the hospital, which is also where I work. So it wasn't like a 
a great vacation or anything. But then, thankfully, I ended up uh, working something out with my doctor where he wrote me off work for what was it what was it considered what is it even called stress yeah that's what it, yeah it was just like stress leave generic stress leave so i ended up being off for about like almost a month and a half total mm-hmm. so it was very good to have that time at home well first of all about a month of it was honestly taking care of you yeah like about a month of it I, it wouldn't have been possible if you weren't at home. <laughs> Someone else would have had to be here. Yeah. I mean, not because... Like, I was able to go up and down stairs by myself. Sure. But, like, making food would not have been possible. And I also just remember, like, leaving things because I couldn't lift anything and so like if i drop something it just it's that's it lives on the floor now that's where it lives it that's its home now hope it's happy there yeah so it kind of worked out that i got i don't want to say enough time but i got time off work yeah it was really hard uh yeah i don't know we're not gonna get into when i went back to work or anything yet but being off it was necessary to be off i couldn't have gone back no. In a lot of ways, I did. I went back too soon after a month and a half, but we'll get well, to yeah. that later. So, with Eliza, we did decide to get an autopsy mm-hmm. just to see if we could get any more concrete answers. Apparently, that is a process that takes a very long time. I mean, the autopsy happens right away. Yeah, the autopsy itself was like. Obviously. I don't know like two days after we left the hospital it was like oh yeah at the done. Most. yeah because then you get the call from like the cremation service saying like okay we're going to pick up your daughter and we'll do the cremation today yeah so you like know when it's happening yeah so we asked to have an autopsy and then we waited for the results until november it was end of november i think that sounds right and sometime in november we were not uh i was not expecting any big news from the autopsy and we did not receive any big news in the autopsy (laughs) it looked a little bit like it was a court accident were the autopsy results yeah but they won't say that conclusively like they won't make that a conclusive well because there's no proof you can't like prove it scientifically that that's what happened so they just say like our best guess is it is this but like on her autopsy report it says like unknown for like cause of death yeah they don't know i know we've jumped ahead to november now but the so when you you get the autopsy we went in and had the the meeting and everything and whatever no shockers there uh, but we get a copy of the autopsy result and i brought it home and i think you were reading through it and you said to me like oh she had blue eyes mm-hmm. and that just destroyed me for about a week just that idea yeah and i don't i don't know exactly why but i was miserable for like a week thinking about that because it's not really uh, it wasn't information i was expecting to get for some reason i just hadn't really thought about it we never got to see her eyes open obviously and i know that what most babies start with blue eyes like as soon as they're born and then they change to whatever they're going to be later on so 
even the idea of her having blue eyes it shouldn't be surprising or anything like that but just seeing that written down and that somebody saw that and all these like months later learning something new about eliza it just really ruined my whole week for some reason that was that was really weird that was a really weird tough thing to to hear yeah so let's go back a little bit yeah yeah so in ottawa where we live there's a children's hospital and associated with that like physically right next to the children's hospital there is a place called roger nielsen house and they for the most part they provide palliative care and hospice yeah care for children from birth to 18 years old Right. And so while we were still in the hospital, we found out that they offer bereavement services, uh, counseling, and also like a bereavement group that you can go to. And I thought that this sounded great. I love counseling. I love talking to people. I love talking about myself more than anything else in the world. Uh, So I thought this would be a good idea. Leah was less convinced. Like I've done counseling before and I think it's very helpful. And that's not a problem. But I have a lot of social anxiety. So the idea of sitting in a room full of people that I don't know and needing to talk is like one of my big (laughs) anxieties. So that was like not super thrilling to me. But I knew Mike wanted to do it. So I said like, okay, I'll do it with you. It's fine. And I also found out that they had a pregnancy after loss group. But in order to attend the pregnancy after loss group, you need to have gone through the bereavement group. And so I was like, okay, fine, I'll do this as like a means to an end. (laughs) Right. So the first thing that happened, when did we first go and meet our amazing social worker who will not be named to respect her privacy? Um, End of September? Sometime in September? Early? Mid-September? Mid-September-ish. Because we had a couple sessions with her. Yeah, we had a couple sessions. Before group started in October. This is paid for by the government of Ontario. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, totally free bereavement counseling at Roger Nielsen House with a social worker who was incredible. And she helped us out so much, helped us understand all of our weird feelings. And she really recommended that we go to the do the group sessions. And obviously I was like, yeah, let's go. Even though I thought it might be a little weird. But Leah, like you said, you were very worried about it but I think one of our big worries was that there would be all kinds of obviously all kinds of different parents in different situations and stuff and maybe we would feel resentful towards other parents who you know maybe they got to hang out with their baby for a few weeks before their baby died and we would be thinking like uh how come they get to you know have yeah, All I this do time remember. with their baby. I or... do remember that being a worry. That I was, before I knew what it was going to look like, I was worried that there was going to be people like us, but then also people who had miscarriages, and then also people who maybe their child was, I don't know, a year old. And because I didn't really know like what the scope was going to be. And right. even though I knew, of course, the people who have miscarriages are feeling grief and have experienced a loss. 
And of course, the people who, you know, their child is a year old and their child has died are experiencing grief and loss. I was like, I can't have all of those people with me because their experiences are way too different from what I'm experiencing. And I was very worried about like my own feelings. Yeah, and our counselor very wisely said, no, no, you're going to get there. Well, first of all, it was just a group for... So it's people who have experienced a loss from 20 weeks until 28 days of life. So all pretty close in the same range. Yeah. Uh, I know Leah was still a little worried about the resentment stuff that could happen from all the different stories but our our social worker said no what usually happens is that you hear all these other people's stories and you go oh i'm glad that's not my story (laughs) (laughs) that sounds worse than what i had and then they hear our story and they go "Ooh, i'm glad that wasn't me and we're like okay hard to believe you but if you say so and i was still very on board with going anyway but we went and funnily enough that is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. We got to meet all these very wonderful people who had all experienced a loss within within like they, a three-month period. Yeah, like the from July until September. September. Yeah, yeah and like group, mid-July to like early September. And the group started mid-October or late October yeah. or something. And the group was so good. We met, it was a big group too. There were eight we were other like couples. The biggest, one of the biggest groups that like has ever happened. And so we meet every week. There are eight other couples, I think. Other couples, if you're listening, don't worry about it. Don't try to count. Eight, eight including us. Including us? Okay, if you say I so. I think. I think you're wrong. Maybe you're right. It doesn't matter at all. So. One of the things that I really liked about the group was that we felt very not alone in our craziness, Mm. in our weird feelings, and our very particular, very specific situation. There were all these other people also having that very specific situation. Mm. And I think it was just very helpful to be a part of that group and know that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And what was the one thing when everybody said, oh, yeah, same thing? Oh, I think that was like the first time, like, one of the dads just kind of said, like, oh, you know how people, like, complain about their kid and like how their kid has woken up so many times in the night and you know you just look at them and go like I wish I could be woken up by my baby and like the entire room like it was like a balloon popped and we all just went (gasps) and then started laughing and was like yes exactly it was like all this like tension had been building and it was just like yes that yeah so it was a real shared experience thing and we've kept in touch with some of the couples from there and they were they all ended up it was weird they put us in a group of all friends (laughs) how did it happen they just gave us all a bunch of friends because they were all really cool and good yeah there's five other couples that like we're pretty close to and we talked to on a regular basis actually i don't know about the dads all the moms talk on like a pretty regular basis i don't think the dads are as all of us dads just don't have facebook (laughs) so that's really the only thing you don't need facebook you just need facebook messenger or that's facebook pick another pick another source we can't agree whatsapp just that's facebook 
No. We, um, we can't come to an agreement. Slack. I'd use Slack. They didn't want to. I know. Oh, boy. This is what happens when men try to plan something. Yeah, men are... <laughs> Notoriously bad. That's okay. It's fine. The women talk. Anyway, so it was eight sessions. Uh, so once a week for eight weeks, every Wednesday night uh, for a couple hours. What was it? An hour and a half? I think so. And most of the time flew by. And we actually, we got a bonus session, so it ended up being nine weeks. It took us, like, right up to Christmas. Yeah. And it was so good. And it was it was also helpful. <laughs> I guess we'll get, I don't know when we're going to get into this subject, but it was also helpful having this through the Christmas season, because we right. were all experiencing a lot of Christmas and baby-related feelings. feelings that were a lot. happening. So, yeah, it was really just a lot of we would come in and say we feel so crazy because of this and then everybody else would be like oh actually that's not crazy or we feel the same thing or you're allowed to feel that and then we would go what we're allowed to feel that we're allowed to not have to like show up at every party revelation when we got told like christmas doesn't have to be happy this year we were like what really and our social worker was just like yeah yeah, you're allowed to be sad. I was like, what? Is that legal? <laughs> Are you sure? So yeah. the group was extremely helpful, and we're so, 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 so lucky to have Roger Nielsen House in our city because I know not every city has <laughs> these well, kinds of services. we had, like, one couple in the group who drove every week from Kingston because Kingston doesn't have anything. Yeah, which is, like, like, two hours two away. Two hours away from us. And then another couple drove from, like, Petawawa. Yeah. So we're extremely fortunate to have this in our city. But all that to say, if there are counseling or social worker counseling services available wherever you live, if you need them, definitely take them up on it. Even if you're a skeptic like Leah, because it ended up being so helpful. Well, and I've said from, like, the beginning... I know myself, I know how I handle stressful situations, I compartmentalize it and like put it in a box and put it on the shelf and like just power through. I knew that that wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to work this time. Or it would work, but it would only work for so long before like the lid on the box blows off and then we've got to deal with it. And so I did all of the stuff I hate to do so that in... 30 years, I don't have a mental breakdown. So you're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> you won't be dealing with a 60-year-old having a mental breakdown. I appreciate it. I know. It's because I love you. One of the other cool things that we got involved with, this was sort of at the very beginnings of our going to Roger Nielsen well, house. it was my friend. She told us about, she found out about the run. Right, the famous friend from before. The meal train friend. And she said, you know, I want to put a team together and you guys can participate or you don't have to participate, but like this is something I want to do for you guys and for Eliza. And so it's the Butterfly Run in Ottawa and they raise money for Roger Nielsen House. So my friend put together the team and then... She asked us what we wanted to name the team, and... And at that if, point, it was, it like, was... super fresh, and so she said, do you know, do we want to name it 
Team Eliza. And we were like, woof, nope. Like, whoa, you can't just go around using her name like that, seeing it in writing? No, thank you. Like, that is too much. We would, could never do that. And so we called it just Team Day Wheeler. Yeah. Whatever, our names. And, but I mean, thinking about it now, like, that seems, like, obviously we would so, call it Team yeah, Eliza now. Yeah, like, like, our relationship has changed so much yeah. with, I mean, just with Eliza and the situation and everything mm-hmm. that, yeah, of course it'd be Team Eliza, like, or Team Buzz or something. Yeah, next year. Anyway, the whole point is that it's uh, just like a 5K run slash walk slash sort of a race. It's not... Mm-hmm. Not chip-timed or anything like that. Nothing super official. Not super official. But, uh, yeah, it was a really nice run down at Lansdowne Park mid-October, late October. on my birthday. When When's your birthday? Mid to late October in that region, somewhere around there? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It was on Leah's birthday this year. Which, like, no, last year. Which made it kind of, like, special and cool. And... Yeah, it was very special. And, again, we got a bunch of our friends to turn out. and Yeah. That was really cool. You got to walk with everybody, and I got to run with my brother and our other friends. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really it was a really cool event. We got to raise a bunch of money for Roger Nielsen House. And yeah. Yeah, it was really all nice. Like, all total, they raised $95,000. Yeah, which is pretty crazy because they, they told us after that because of that, they got to hire another social worker. Yeah, part-time. Excuse me. And also start another bereavement group. Mm-hmm. To, so just because of the, the stupid run, they get to do all this stuff, which we have since found out is extremely important. Mm-hmm. So we were very happy to take part yeah, in Yeah, so the run happened the week our bereavement group started. Oh yeah, that's right. So it was like even before we were at group, it had started. But we had done the run. Yeah, so I started this episode... With a really hilarious parody of Grease, the musical, called Grief. But we haven't really talked about our grief too much. Are I guess we, not. Are we going to get into that? Or maybe next week? <laughs> is, is grief just the theme of the rest of all the episodes? I mean, it might be the theme for the next, like, couple of episodes. Maybe just, like, maybe this is Grief 1 and next week is Grief, grief 2. two. No John Travolta. And a worse plot line? I don't know. I haven't seen Grief 2. I think I only saw it once. Yeah. And I was like, this is bad, and none of the same people are in it. Mm, that's a problem. Yeah. I feel like the songs weren't as good. I I don't know a single one of the songs, so it can't be that good. See? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think, like, part one, part two. This is a good place to leave off. These are the... This, this has been a list of the things we did when we got home. <laughs> The first few months of our life. Yeah, me getting ready to go back to work. So we're going to get back, we're going to get into going back to work and that whole experience and what that was like. And then I think we're going to talk about kind of what to do, what not to do. Mm, We're going to get into that too. Yeah. So this is where the show kind of takes, well, no, I guess we still have a little more update stuff with going back to work. Mm -hmm. All right. We got, we've almost, we have so much stuff planned. I just want to get to it. We have almost caught you up, though, to, like, present day. Yeah. It's getting pretty close. Well. I know it doesn't seem like it, but in, like, terms of what happened, like, 
It was like five months where nothing happened. And like the last two months are just quarantines. So that's boring. Just a lot of staying inside and playing video games. A lot of Animal Crossing. Right. A lot, a lot of Animal Crossing. That's about it. So, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Those. <sighs> Those Tell me more, <laughs> tell me more, Thanks for listening. I'm going to cut all that out. Bye. I love you. Bye. Mwah.